0: And thanks to uh, my pastor, Pastor Stanley Harvey, for this opportunity. I want to bring a simple message covering a fairly complex subject. A simple message give, covering a very complex subject. And I want to also thank uh, my darling wife for her input and help. Uh, apologies in advance to anyone who might think that I didn't cover everything or I missed something out, but I'll try and get what the Lord has laid upon my heart as best as I can without taking up too much time. And so I want us to turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 19. And in verse 1, the book of Genesis, chapter 19, verse 1. And when you're there, say amen. For those playing at home, And there came two angels to Sodom at even. That's evening. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servants' house and tarry all night and wash your feet and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Another version says that they'll sleep in the town square. But Lot pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and he did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house around, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And they don't mean just have a chit chat and find out where they're from. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said I pray you brethren do not sow wickedly behold now I have two daughters which have not known man let me I pray you bring them out unto you and you do to them as is good in your own eyes only unto these men do nothing for therefore for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof and they said this is the the men of Sodom stand back And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be our judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand, these are the angels, and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door, of the house with blindness both small and great so that they wearied themselves to find the door hallelujah the title of my message this morning is lot had a limit lot had a limit let us pray dear heavenly father father we thank you for your lord this morning we thank you lord that you can speak to us wherever we are lord That it doesn't matter where we have church, whether in our home, whether we're just walking, Lord, and listening to this. Wherever we may be, let your presence be there. And Lord Jesus, let it be Bethel to us, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me, that you would help me to speak this morning, tonight. Lord, wherever anyone's listening to this, and that, Lord, that you would speak into the hearts of those that are listening. That, Lord, that you would anoint me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Anoint our hearts, Lord, and open our hearts to your word that it may bear seed, Lord, that it may bear fruit in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Hallelujah. The contemporary Christian music artist Matthew West recently shared a song online that he had written primarily for his teenage daughter. Although he has two daughters, but one's in her teens now. And the song was a, a light-hearted song, but it had an important message behind it. And the title of the song was, Modest is Hottest. Basically, the, the lyrics to the song go something, you know, it covers, you know, the boys are coming around and it's all your mother's fault, basically saying that his daughter is beautiful because his wife's beautiful. He also goes on into the chorus to say, modest is hottest. He says that modest is hottest, it's the latest fashion trend, is a little bit more Amish, a little less Kardashian. If you catch, and then he goes on to say, if I catch you doing dances on the TikTok in a crop top, so help me God, you'll be grounded, grounded till the world stops. Just kidding. No, I'm not. He also sings later in the song, No offence to Cardi B. I'm sure she's really nice and Jesus loves her, but I think that modest is hottest. He's a Christian artist singing a lighthearted song to his daughter about modesty. However, a few days later, West had to take down the video after he was attacked online for promoting modesty. And for also, he got criticised for uh, promoting his idea of what is hot. How dare Matthew West propose to his daughter what he thinks is beautiful. And people criticised him as somehow you know, propagating, you know, some patriarchy or some other garbage. Criticism came from all sorts of quarters. Notably, the ex-Christian singer-songwriter by the, uh, Audrey Assad, who, uh, who was a Christian artist but then um, renounced her Christianity in March this year, criticised West for enforcing his idea of beauty or hotness Onto a woman. I mean, fair dinkum. It doesn't matter what you say or what you do to try to appease this world. Sometimes the world will just attack you anyway because it hates what you believe and it hates who you believe in. Even a pastor, a pastor, a Christian or a supposedly Christian pastor, did a diss track. A parody of West's song, criticising West in this track and saying something like in the song, you know, basically, be, he- be whoever you want to be, and blah, blah, blah. Christians criticising another Christian for encouraging his daughter to be modest. This is where we've come to, people. Even though the Bible, the Word of God literally says... In First Timothy 2 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves or make themselves beautiful in modest apparel. Matthew West was not giving his own standard of what is hot. He was giving the biblical standard of beauty. Not man's standard at all. Not what Audrey Assad was saying, here's some man trying to mansplain what is hot or what is beautiful, but he was giving what the Bible says is the measure of beauty, modesty, modesty. It also makes me think about a passage that I was reading with my kids earlier this week and it sort of ties into this in Mark chapter 7 and starting in verse 5 and if you can turn there and we'll read this but, We see that the Pharisees, it says, Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, this is Jesus, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? Not to the word of God, to the tradition of the elders. But eat bread with unwashed hands. He answered and said unto them, this is Jesus, Will hath a sire prophesied of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things. Th- like things you do. And he said to them, full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. And then Jesus goes on to say, you know, that Moses had said to honour thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man say to his father or mother, it is Corbin. That is to say a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. So in other words, that someone can basically pay their way out of their relationship with their mother and father if they've said they've given to God. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or mother, verse 12. And then verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. You see, they were ignoring clearly what was a commandment of God to honor your father and your mother. And yet, something that wasn't a commandment of God, the washing of hands or the washing of bowls and pots, and pictures, they, they took that to be more important than the actual word of God, than the actual commandment of God. Traditions of men, teachings of this world. I mean, I, I like to wash my hands before I eat. I'm, uh, I'm, I like to have clean plates to eat off and clean cups to drink out of. But it's not a sin if I sit down to dinner and I forget to wash my hands or, you know, there's a little bit of stain from the last meal on my plate. It's okay. The world will turn around. Like we'll get on with life. As Jesus goes on to later say in that same passage, basically whatever you eat, it goes into your stomach and it's uh, expelled later. It doesn't matter. It's no big deal. However, they were esteeming this tradition higher than the commandment of God what society teaches as acceptable, the world's version of righteousness. We see Christians and Christianity, and I mean traditional Christianity, generally moving away from biblical righteousness. And I'm not talking about non-biblical standards. And we need to be careful of this ourselves that you know, we make sure that what we teach is based in Bible, that our doctrine is based in Bible. You know, we don't, we shouldn't be teaching things like you need to sleep in your tie and sleep with your three-piece suit on. And if you don't, when Jesus comes, you won't go to heaven. That's not in the Bible or teaching that having a beard is wrong because if having a beard is wrong, then Jesus was wrong. Uh, Aaron was wrong, as the psalmist said, the anointing oil flowed down Aaron's beard. Or not having buttons on your clothing, or women having to wear bonnets or scarves, because the very Word of God says that the long hair, her long hair is given as a covering in 1 Corinthians. But not just that, not just that, but they are steering away from clear, biblical teaching in righteousness. We see mega church pastors having affairs, these famous pastors having affairs and making a mockery of Christianity. We see Christian music artists, and there was one just this week from a a gospel group that I even listened to, Uh, posting lewd and sort of sexually suggestive photographs online. You know, it wasn't pornography, but it was suggestive. It was lewd. We need to have a limit. We need to draw a line in the sand. And that line needs to be based upon the Word of God. This world is shifting It's always shifting with whatever's right and wrong. What was right last week or last year or last decade is shifting all the time. There's this race to the bottom. But it's shifting further and further away and against the righteousness of God as is taught in the Word of God. The Word of God tells us in Romans 12 verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind our mind needs to be renewed so that we're not tra- so that we're transformed and we're not conformed to this world but we have progressive christians people calling themselves christians and those critical of christianity those that oppose the teachings of christ saying that we need to conform to them to the world that we need to conform to the world and not conform to the word. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. And I'm not going to go into them all, but just in verse 19 it says, Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness. This is talking about immodesty and, and sexual suggestiveness lewdness, you know, trying to be tempting sexually, trying to, you know, talking about things that are unclean that we know that we shouldn't talk about, being immodest in our actions and the way that we speak, lewdness, immodesty, they're not congruent with living for God. You know, we see so much of this in our society now. We see even the over sexualization over of young children, that somehow it's okay for you know um, young girls and, and young boys to act in a sexually provocative manner online on TikTok, but at the same time we see the same people trying to stop children from using gender terms or defining what gender is. Where this is heading is not good. The the end of this story is not good. And coming back to our key text, back to Genesis 19 verse, we see that Lot, yeah, he made some poor choices. We give Lot a bad rap sometimes and we know, you know, he, he got a choice. Abraham gave him a choice of where to, you know, camp and he chose to pitch his tent towards Sodom. He took the nice green fields that were down in the valley, while Abraham took the harder work up in the hill to graze up there. But he pitched his tent towards Sodom and chose the easy life. And next thing we read, he's living in Sodom. He's right there in the thick of it. But Lot had a limit. We see in the Reading from the NIV version, this time in Genesis 19, verse 4 to 11, just from that part, it says, Before they had gone to bed, and I like the way the NIV, I know some of you think the NIV may as well be the the book of Satan or something, but it's just a translation of the Bible. And here it's got, and we know, yes, the King James Version is the most accurate version, but here we've just got a more simple Simple translation of it. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every city of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They had called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we can have sex with them. This is what the Bible is saying in the NIV, just a more direct translation, taking out the kind of, you know, innuendo of the old English. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, do not do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. I could never think of, yeah, of somebody offering their children, their daughters, to basically be, to basically be raped by these men. And yet this is how Lot, he, he this he, he was trying, he was desperate for these people not to rape these angels. And he goes on to say, but don't do anything to these men for they have come under the protection of my roof. But you see these men of Sodom, they said, get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner, he's an outsider, he's not from this city. They're talking about the angels and now he wants to play the judge or oh, he's talking about Lot because Lot had come here from obviously from Ur of the Chaldees originally. We'll treat you worse than them. Now they're, they're threatening Lot and they kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door but the men inside the angels they reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and then shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old with blindness. And that way they couldn't find out where the door was. We can't see where the door is anymore. And Lot, he didn't have any written text to refer to. He couldn't go to any Bible to quote a passage of why this was wrong. He didn't have the law of Moses yet. He didn't have any writings that he could refer to, but he knew where to make a stand. He only had God working on his conscience. This was before Moses. This was before the Pentateuch, the law. But he had his conscience telling him that this is not right. And Lot, Despite, despite his faults, is referred to in Second Peter chapter 2, verse seven as righteous." It says, "And delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked." Lot thankfully, had a limit. And because of that limit, He was saved from destruction. Obviously, we know what happened to Lot's wife. But Lot had a limit and he was saved. This world, this society is trying to bully Christians from being a Christian. It's trying to bully us out of believing in what we believe in. This society, this world is trying to bully us out of living for God and living according to his word. I always find it interesting that it's Christians that are always targeted by Western society, by the Western world, not other beliefs. And I'm not here to rail on other religions, but, you know, there's other religions whose key texts say such things as, you know, that, People who are homosexual should be thrown from a building and killed. Or that it's okay to beat your wife with a stick. And they don't get targeted. But someone that says what behaviours will keep you out of heaven, just keep you out of heaven according to the Word of God. A heaven, mind you, that the world doesn't even believe in. They get labelled a bigot and treated worse than a murderer, a rapist or a wife basher we got to love. Yes, we do. And we need to be sensitive. We need to be better at loving people. We need to be. I need to be. But love is not about accepting all behaviour. That's not what love is about. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 7 says that love suffers long. It's patient and is kind. Love does not envy. It's not jealous. Does not parade itself. It's not showy. It's not puffed up. It doesn't have pride and ego. It does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not selfish. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. You know, it thinks good. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Here we go. But rejoices in truth. Love rejoices in truth and is glad for the truth to advance it bears all things believes all things hopes all things and endures all things but love is not a pass to do evil love does not allow evil i love my children i, I sacrifice for them you know i'd like to think you know i would give my life for them but do i just condone every decision that they make? Do I just let them do whatever they want? When they were young children, did I just let them put a fork in the PowerPoint or just run outside onto the road? Yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. I'll just let them do what I love them. They should be able to just be free and do whatever they want and run right onto that road and get hit by a van. That's fine because I love them. No, that's ridiculous. We know that's ridiculous. But because I love them and I do not want them to face consequences for any bad decisions that they might make based on their feelings, I set boundaries, I, 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 I don't agree with everything that they may do and I pull them up when they make the wrong choice. My, my wife loves me. Or at least uh, she's convinced me of that. She's at least uh, made me think that she loves me. My wife does love me and and thank God for that. I don't know how, but somehow by a miracle of God, this woman, as beautiful as my wife, loves me. But she would never say to me, you know, it's just cool. It's cool. You go and have a romantic weekend away with some other girl. But hun, it's love. We should be free. You should just allow me to do what, you know, make the choices I want to make and just allow me to be me, you know, and take this other girl out on a romantic trip away. That's ridiculous. This is not what love is about. And vice versa, I wouldn't do the same thing. You can call me patriarchal all you want. But if you love someone, there's boundaries. It's not about just doing whatever you feel is right or feel whatever you choose. Oh, I just feel this, but I feel. So many times we say feel, you know. It was this old song when I was growing up back in 1989 or somewhere from Rock Set. And uh, it seems like a pretty harmless song, you know. But it was a song, yeah, one of those cheesy kind of love songs and, He used to say, listen to your heart, listen to your heart. But you know what? No, your heart is evil and deceitfully wicked. The Bible says, don't listen to your heart. Your heart's going to tell you to go the wrong way. But listen to the word of God. Amen. And there's a comparison that we can draw from, you know, having boundaries with preaching to this lost and dying world. Yes, we need to be gentle. We need to be wise we need to be as wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove yes and we shouldn't be rude or self-righteous and abrupt we need to you know be soft in how we present the gospel I'm not talking about weak I'm just talking about we need gentleness gentleness is a, a fruit of the spirit and yes we need to be that we need to be gentle we need to be wise But eventually there is a reckoning. There is a reckoning where someone is going to be saved, if someone is going to walk with God, if they are going to be born again, that hard decisions need to be made. Hard decisions need to be made. There has to come a time where someone has to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to smoke that anymore. I'm not going to watch that anymore. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm not going to talk like that anymore. I'm not going to think like that anymore. I'm not going to live like that anymore. I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to draw the line. I'm going to have a limit. Because I choose to live for Him there needs to be a line in the sand. Lot had a limit. Do you have a limit? Have you had enough of what this world is offering? Are you going to make a stand and draw that line where salvation is on one side and destruction is on the other? Lot had a limit and because he had a limit, he was saved you need to draw the line, you need to have a limit or you will face destruction. If you want to be saved, you need to have a limit. And that line shouldn't be determined by what society says. As much as we need to live peacefully and peaceably in society, as much as possible, but that line in the sand is not Determined by society. It's not determined by the world, but it's determined by the Word. It's determined by the Word of God, by the righteousness set by God. We need to have a limit. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city, that is broken down and without walls. A person without limits is like a city with no walls, with no protection. Set limits for yourself based on the Word of God. And if I could ask, as we close, righteousness is not just about what we don't do either. It's not just about all the don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Yes, it is about modesty. It is about purity. It's, it is about not being lewd and rude. But it's also about kindness. Righteousness is also about love. Righteousness is about forgiveness. Living holy doesn't give you the right to be mean or nasty, unkind or unforgiving. Living holy doesn't mean living judgmentally. We need to be kind. It's a fruit of the Spirit. We need to exhibit love in the face of all criticism. In the face of all the temptation, we need to love in the face of all pressure and opposition. There are souls who need Jesus. And we need to be an example to this world of what it is to live for Christ. We need to hold on to the righteousness of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 puts it like this and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness true holiness hallelujah how do you put on that new man if you've never put on that new man you need to repent of your sins repent of what the world says is right repent of what you think or feel is right and change your life and walk according to God's Word. Turn your life towards God and walk according to His Word and His righteousness. That is repentance. Dying to ourselves and our own will and deciding to live for Him and His will. We repent of our sins. We need to be baptised, that is to be buried in water in the Name of Jesus Christ, calling on His Name and having our sins washed away, buried with Him in baptism, and then rising in newness of life, becoming a new man, putting on that new man and being filled with the Spirit of God. And you can receive the Spirit of God, even right now, wherever you are, you just lift your hands, repent of your sins, ask God to forgive you and God can fill you right now with His Spirit. You just need to start praising God. Lift up your hands, start praising God and allow God to fill you with His Spirit and when He fills you, you'll begin to speak in another language, in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. I just pray right now for you right now, anyone that needs the Holy Ghost right now, as you lift your hands, I just pray that God will fill you right now with His Spirit. Hallelujah. Just surrender to God right now and allow God to fill you with His Spirit. Hallelujah. And to anyone else, you feel as though the world is trying to draw you away or you feel the pressure of the world trying to tell you what is right and what is wrong and not what it is according to the Word of God. And it's hard at these times. It's hard. It's getting harder. We look on social media. We look on these things, uh, the general media, news and television, newspapers, whatever, our friends at work, our friends and family. What they believe to be right can be far different to what is right according to the Word. We need to make a stand. We need to set a limit. Let us pray. Wherever you are, take a place, kneel. If you need to repent, if you need to make it right with God once again, why don't you do that? Wherever you are, just bow your knee. and Call on Him. As the musicians pray, why don't you find someone, if you're, with a household member, why don't you pray with them? Wherever you are, why don't you pray with someone else? If you can, if you're by yourself, just spend some time with the Lord. Set those limits in your life and return to His righteousness. In Jesus' name, spend some time with the Lord right now. Pray wherever you are.